everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in Dining Room Studios with the one and only Dana Gould, who's currently Dana Gould on Twitter, but back in the day, and by that I mean when you were last on my show, which was the fifth episode ever of my show, you were Dana J. Gould. Yes, Dana Gould was a realtor in Natick, Massachusetts, which ironically is about 15 minutes from where I grew up. And uh, he had tweeted nine times in 2004 or whenever Twitter started. And uh, I had to uh, uh, use the lovely and talented uh, wiles of Jeffrey Fox to uh, disown Jeffrey Fox to pry that uh, name out. The one and only. What did you do? Threw my weight around on the internet. What does that mean? You emailed and said, could we possibly have this tweet? Twitter uh, handle? No, I got in touch with someone on the inside at Twitter about mm. reclaiming the Twitter handle for Dana. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it only took like 4,000 emails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Was it worth it? Totes. <laughs> Totes my goats. Well, anyway, here you are. What I'm uh, going to try to do is not turn this into an episode of my podcast, which I found happens sometimes. Not with you, oddly, but when you have people who have their own podcasts on your show that they just start interviewing you and the other guests. I I mean, no matter what, which is totally fine, but no matter what, there's no way that this could become an episode of your show because it's, don't take this the wrong way, not heavily edited. No. If, 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 if my show is Pet Sounds, your mm-hmm. show is Live at Leeds. Just to use some uh, K Rock uh, nineteen seventy seven yeah. for breaking that references. down for the young people. Yeah, in fact, on so I went back and I listened to the episode, and whenever I go back and listen to episodes of my wow. show that are from very early on, I'm afraid that I'm going to be cringing the whole time because at the beginning I really the format was a little bit different, and I was still kind of finding my way. But I found that our our conversation held up. So people, if you want to go back and listen to it, I would not warn you against it. Um, but you were talking quite a bit. I think you had sort of maybe just started your podcast, The Dana Gould Hour, at that point. Probably, yeah. Do you remember when you started it? No. Okay. This <laughs> this was early 2012. Yeah. January of two, January. Yeah, it is when I started it. I okay. Guess, yeah. And you were talking um, yeah, a lot a lot about the amount of production that went into it. Yeah. And I was wondering It's gotten worse. That's I was wondering how which direction it trended. <laughs> it is much worse. But I'm like, you know, my approach to my podcast is the same as my approach to my stand up. I like it to uh I'm I'm very sp- particular and I'm very I'm a perfectionist and I I I pour over things and I whittle and nudge and push him to where I want him to be. And um, I'm happy with that. And a lot of people say to me, like, I wish you did it more. And then a lot of people just say, I appreciate the time you put into it. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not, you know, like in my case, when you're not really making money, Mm. uh, I might as well do what I want to do. 
Right. You know, Lord knows I have enough aspects of my professional life where I have to do what other people tell me to do. (laughs) Might as well have a little bit of fun. Well, your podcast is great. And I think people, it's unusual because most podcasts are like this, raw, (laughs) raw and uh, unedited essentially. Yeah. But you have an angle on your podcast. Thanks. Which is, uh, unless it's changed. It kind of, uh, it, tell me what you think it is. It was more skewed towards people's emotional uh, life and oh, uh, their yes. sort of romantic world. And- well, it's. I think at the beginning, my idea was I was going to focus pretty heavily on relationships. Yeah. And I've gotten, a, in fact, I was surprised to hear that we took calls and gave advice on the episode that you were on yeah. back in the day. Um, the whole concept of me giving advice is pretty hilarious. But your advice was so good and so sound, and it just made me realize you must be a really good dad because the, some of the <laughs> yeah, callers... You nailed the one thing I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a good dad and I'm a good comic. That's but about it. <laughs> some of the callers were young, and your advice was really... like you, you honed right in on sort of the crux of their problem and helped them through it, and I, I thought it was really great. But anyway, so yeah, at the beginning... It was um i thought i was going to focus pretty much exclusively on relationships and going through someone's relationship history and it's gotten away from that a bit now it but it is towards you know um, emotional honesty and the and people's struggles and yeah. that kind of stuff my show is the way it is for two reasons i wanted to i you know, I waited a year to do it when it became obvious that I should do one. Mm-hmm. And that was because I didn't know what to do that wasn't just me doing Mark Marin's podcast. <laughs> I didn't want to do Mark's podcast right. and I didn't want to do Walking the Room. Um, and I really didn't want to just bitch about the business. Um, I had no interest in that. So, you mean you didn't want to do Barry's podcast? Whose last name is escaping me? And actually, that's not really what his podcast is. Yeah, I don't even Industry know. Industry standard. Barry Katz. Oh yeah, no, I don't want to do Barry. I've no, I've known Barry. One, I've known Barry Katz too long. I should um, take that back. He does not bitch about the. It's the about business. the business. It's about, it, the, it's and about that's fine. I mean, he's yeah. a manager and a producer, so he should have that. I have no interest in that. It bores the shit out of me. Um, uh, so it took me a while to find out what I wanted to do, which is you know my areas of interest, which is just like you know ephemera and culty stuff and you know cult movies or or religious cults <laughs> you know I, I like that i like creepy shit mm-hmm. and that's uh and so i and la history and old crime and stuff like that. it's just stuff that i would like to listen to right i do the show that i would like to listen to but i can't listen to it because of the time it's done i'm sick to death of it <laughs> um and then i had a, a an idea that i stole from a guy named joe frank not joe franklin uh, Joe Frank had a show on KCRW in the late uh, in the nineties. My early husband aughts. quotes Joe Frank all the time. Joe Frank is a fucking genius, mm-hmm. and he's still on. You can still Joe Frank if you search him. Uh, if you search him out, he uh, he still does stuff, and he does these amazing like stories that he unspools very slowly and he would have like a weird rhythm music backdrop to it. And then he would do one story and then it would pause and then another story would start and then it would go into the other story. And I thought it was, to me, I like the idea of breaking up a conversation into segments, like, Mm. like chapters. And then I put music into it and it made it like the conversational equivalent of the Joe Frank show. And as I was editing them into segments, I would also take out all of the um, uh, like, because it drove me bananas. Mm-hmm. Your own or the guests? Everybody's. 
And I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, and then after I did that like two or three times, I thought, what well, it would be really good. Why don't I do two interviews and hopscotch them? Mm-hmm. And that's basically the show, in right. addition to all the other two or three other bells and whistles that we have. So it's a wedding cake. Every month is a wedding cake. <laughs> Every month is a wedding cake. And, and we're just, uh, I'm just putting together the new episode where like, because of the conversation, the conversation led to this interesting woman named uh, uh, Amy McPherson, who was like one of the first televangelists, but in radio in L.A. in the 20s. And she staged her own kidnapping that wow. turned out. And I was like, that's interesting. So now we talked about it, but I didn't have a lot of information. So then I did a little research and now I'm going to record a little biography of, of Amy McPherson and I'll put that in the show. And uh, we had a conversation about uh, uh Pentecostal churches that handle snakes. <laughs> and I thought, well, I didn't know that much about them. So we talked about it. And then I did a little bit of research, found it all about it. So I'll put that in there. And then, um, again, it's the show that I would like to hear. I like to think that, you know, at the end of this, that uh, the shows could be put on DV on CDs and lined up on a shelf. Mm-hmm. But there, are, you know, you could pull out a show and listen to it and it still has some relevance. And it's certainly those pre recorded pieces could be, uh, thrown together into something right it sounds like there's like a whole bunch of moving pieces with each episode yes that's exactly right we should do the middle pieces as a compilation and call it danapedia (laughs) and we could almost make enough money to warrant doing it but not quite now i'm going to ask the hard question here in terms of keeping all of this sorted, do you have some kind of whiteboard? Do you use paper? How do you keep track of all the pieces? Paper. <laughs> my, my, my just legal pads. Gotcha. You know, I have to, and, and I'm weird like that. I have, you know, I, you know, my life is full of moving pieces. I have three children. Uh, my middle daughter is going into a new school next year. So we're going to different open houses for schools and she has ISEE tests. And my other, uh, it's a test that you take when you're going into a new school for junior high. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's like, SATs, but for junior high. And uh, so she's taking those. And my other daughter has in seventh grade, so she's got a million things. And all this stuff is on email, but I have to print it. And I have to have it in a folder and I have to look at it. Right. And I have two television projects that I'm working on right now on my stand-up baloney. Like I have a lot of stuff going, which is good because I have no free time. And, and that's, that's good. good what for happens, me. What happens when you have free time? It's not good with free time. Nature abhors a vacuum. And I just... <laughs> I just Runner, I hum and vibrate and run around. It's not good. But do you overthink things and get into a funk, or do you just masturbate all day and eat ham sandwiches? Like, what what kind of problem does it create? Uh, it, the latter. Uh, <laughs> until a couple of years ago, now it's just mostly ham sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, meh. Now what's the point? Mm. I'm like that with everything now, though. I think I'm. What's the point? Now. What's the point? I'm. Well, we. I'm. Uh, at the risk of getting personal. Please, that's the point. That is the point. Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I was, uh, I was married for twelve or thirteen years. I'm okay, still married legally. We're not even legally divorced yet. Um, we dated for uh six years, and then we got married. We were married for twelve years, and then we uh got divorced or separated. We're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Um and almost immediately I met someone and 
fell into a relationship almost immediately. Like how, like there was, we were, we, in the middle of, before I moved into my house, in the, in, in the middle of just dealing with the fact that I was getting divorced, mm. uh, found out that a, a, a friend of a friend was also getting divorced. I had met her before. Mm. Um, a really nice person. I met her several times. Uh, and I heard that she was also getting divorced. So I said, oh, if you ever want to trade notes or talk, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's like being a Navy SEAL. Like, you know, it's like the only <laughs> people who knowledge. can talk about it are people who've done it mm-hmm. and gone through it. And so like, yeah, we, and we, we met to just sort of talk about it. And we almost, you know, before long we were in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and that was two years ago. And that only ended incredibly recently, in- incredibly um, non-dramatically. Hmm. Uh, but uh, so now I'm like, now it, I'm sort of dealing with everything at once. Like, That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like, I'm feel just like- kind of like alone for the first, I mean, I'm not alone. I have three kids, but um, like, uh, like I'm emotionally alone for the first time in since 1995 or 94 uh and uh so i'm just kind of taking it all in how does it feel i'm just numb <laughs> i mean it's good i have uh, for the for the first time in a really 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 long time i have no interest mm-hmm. in anything you know, in, in that regard. I was, Do you mean you know, no interest in romantic dating, things? Me- yeah, meeting, dating. Um, I, you know, I was on the road uh, a couple times this month. I could have got laid. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's all right. I'm reading a book about Nazi war crimes. I'm just going to go upstairs <laughs> and crawl into bed did with you, my Nazi war atrocity book and drift off to sleep. Did you have women throwing themselves at you? No, they don't throw themselves at me. But, if you, you know, if, if you want to. You, you witness it's, an opening. It's Yeah, it's there if you want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was never that person anyway. But, but you know, like a lot of people, I think, I think there's one of two ways that you go in this situation where you just go on a rampage. Right. And, you know, now it's like, eh, it's okay. Now I know how this goes. It all ends at an awkward brunch. <laughs> That's not. I'd rather just not. I was joking, but it's kind of true. It'll go away. It's it's a, it's temporary, I'm sure. But it's like I'm at the point now where like I see a really attractive woman, and I fantasize about having the energy to jack off to her. <laughs> and I just nah, it's alright. That'd be great though. Like in my mind, I imagine myself like going home. There's no one there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just go into the bathroom and close the door. <laughs> oh, it'd be glorious. <laughs> well, what do you think it is? Do you in think... the bathroom? Keep it clean. <laughs> That's right. Right into the toilet and then a fast flush. That never happened. <laughs> do you think it's depression? Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't want to fuck anybody and I don't want to eat so I'm trying to see how long I can drag this out. <laughs> this could be this could be it for me. I think I found it. Man, I know that this is not the direction to go here, but I wish I was someone who lost my appetite when I got depressed. I go the other way. Certain yeah. types no, of No, that'll happen too. That'll okay. happen too. That'll, that'll believe me. It'll come back. <laughs> it'll right. come back and it'll be, you know, uh, it's hard for me to go to bed without eating at least half a jar of peanut butter. Just plain? Just sitting there in the kitchen. Chunky or smooth? Staring at the clock. Big thing of 
chunky peanut butter from the fridge. Okay. Like hard. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Like fudge almost. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. I'm not a real peanut butter person, but I am a eating half a container of something yeah. with a spoon kind of person. Sure. I'm not an ice cream dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. A, but what I have found now, we're like now, we're, now all we need now is a coffee cake and a pack of merits. <laughs> you know, it really works. <laughs> a lot of it is just the, the tactile sense of eating something mm-hmm. and what really uh, does the trick uh, without doing a lot of damage Mm. is uh, I freeze grapes. That's a, a thing great. that they give to toddlers. I yeah, you Actually, just get some grapes. You put you 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 wash them. You put them in the free in the freezer, and then you know it's they're right. big and they're hard, and you and you chew them, and then after a couple, like, yeah, that's good. This is a great. This is a life tip from yeah. Dana Gould. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then I will uh, after the grapes, I will usually shotgun a thing of Hershey syrup, <laughs> <laughs> and then call it a night. Go back to my Nazi war crimes book. Do your children see you engaging in this um, peanut butter, grapes, chocolate syrup frenzy? <laughs> the, 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 the grapes they do. Mm-hmm. I, every, peanut butter doesn't come out till everybody's asleep. <laughs> and God's not looking. So do you think, I mean, it's, you were sort of suggesting this earlier, that because you went straight into a relationship from your from the dissolution of your marriage, yeah. that that... Uh, By the held, way, just, just uh, yes. uh, great friends with everybody. You my, seem like the kind of guy who would be. My wife, yeah, my wife and I are 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 great. You know, we had awkward time. <laughs> you know, it's, there's no such thing as a as a, as a as a terrific divorce, right? But uh, but we're. I mean, we have three children, and you know, we talk fifty times a day, mm-hmm. and uh, and no, we're having Thanksgiving together, and you know, we're wow, we're solid, and um, and uh, my old for lack of a better term girlfriend is uh is we're also uh you know that's still fresh and, and odd but we're you know we, we i don't have enemies like that mm-hmm. i don't well it's too short to to walk around with a grudge like you're 13 so you don't quietly seethe i do but i i i, I seethe but i also know that it's not anyone's like i i if if it were, it would be different. But in this case, it there was no nefarious intent mm-hmm. <laughs> in anybody. It was just like this is uh you know this was a thing, and now it's a different thing, and we should not do that thing that it's not right. Yeah. Uh here's a real. She's eleven. I also should just say this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like going into that. You should have known. You should have seen it coming. <laughs> puberty changes everything. Yeah, because well, she was nine when we met, and I thought this will be perfect. And <laughs> right. then such a change. But a very mature nine. Such a change. I'm and she sure. doesn't. She's in a place where she doesn't know what life is going to be like when there's no more Hunger Games movies. So I'm trying to deal with that. <laughs> uh, this is a very uh, drippy question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have your recent experiences changed your outlook on love and relationships? Hmm. No, but uh, no, it hasn't. But it has helped me. I I think when I first this is such a not funny thing. Um, when I when I first got divorced, you know, you you go through a long period of you just you blame the other person and you, you you really focus on what they on on their side of the street and you say you always say like look it's 50-50 it's it's 50-50 you, you know that's how that happens 
mean what does that mean well like in the, you know marriage is you know marriage you know nobody nobody murdered anybody it's just like yeah marriage fell apart it's 50 50 but you only talk about and think <laughs> about their 50 right and you never really analyze your like 50 the point of 50 50 being not that you're taking responsibility for half but you're pointing out hey the other person is exactly yeah you, you know you tacitly say you give lip service to your side of the street mm-hmm. but you never really analyze it right and and now, you know, my, my, my best friend uh, and his wife had their first baby last night, and it's so great to see. And then you think, like, yeah, I had a great family. I fucked it up. Um, and, I mean, I still have my family. But, you know, it's just like you sort of – now that I have some distance – uh, from it and, and, and especially now that I don't have any distractions from it, you're kind of like, yeah, that was a really, really, that was a failure. But I also think that I would have had to have gone back to 2002 to fix what eventually became our dysfunction machine. And what was that? Um, you, you know, um, to the extent you are, you're willing to go into it, or yeah, it's, I'm not going to go into it. But it was, uh, you know, just very. A lot of it was my my part of it was letting things go that bothered me because I didn't want to go through the confrontation of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. The things that bothered me weren't necessarily bad, but I think that they were things that over time we allowed to create a space in between us. Our our reluctance to really call each other out on the real shit allowed us to create a vacuum in between us that we filled up with too much other stuff mm-hmm. that then made it nearly impossible to traverse back to each other. Right. And which is why when we did, uh, when we finally did sort of call it a day, it wasn't accusatory because, we, you know, it used to be, used to be standing right behind me. Now you're on that cliff over there. I can see you, but you're too far away. And we both, we both acknowledged it. We stayed together in the same uh, uh, house in the same uh, bed for six months after we decided to get divorced because we wanted the kids to go through school and not have any mm-hmm. um, uh, disruption of their emotional life uh, when they were in the middle of school and everything. And, and we still, you know, we went to, we go on vacation together still and, uh, you know, it, we uh, – I, I give my ex-wife a, a lot of credit. I mean we were able to put our shit in a box and, you know, we sat the kids down and said, we're not mom and dad. We're not husband and wife anymore, but we're always mom and dad. be terrible if you had said the, what you started We're not saying. mom and dad anymore, <laughs> but we stay husband and wife. I know. Um, you have no place here. I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and that is, uh, and we, and that was always, uh, a boilerplate. Right? How did they take it? And how old were, cause when I had last had you on, they were two, seven and nine. Yeah. Now there's six, 11 and 13. So, um, so it's two years ago. About. Yeah. Everyone you know, can do were, the math at home. Yeah. It was about, they were about those ages and you know, the baby didn't really know what the problem was. I don't even know if she'll ever have memories of us being married. Um, which is kind of a drag. Um, I think uh, they they were okay, they were okay because kids take their cues from you, mm-hmm. and we were okay. You know, it's um, we were good with each other, and we <laughs> and then we took them right to McDonald's. Um, but no, I was just thinking, and I'm I'm uh, surprising myself. I'm getting emotional about it. Um, 
uh, two big memories I have in my marriage are uh, being in a hotel room in China. And we say, uh, okay, we're getting ready to go down to the third floor to get our daughter. Mm. Uh, we flew to Chengdu, China. Uh, we flew to Guangzhou, China. And then we flew to Chengdu. And they don't really tell you anything. And that's how they c- keep you from going after Beijing for four days. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. so you, Because you, otherwise it's hurting cats. It's, you know, 15. I'm not sure I'm following the last four sentences. You, okay. I, uh, why should you? I haven't explained it. <laughs> you go to China with a bunch of other couples and to a lawyer. A baby. Yeah, and a lawyer. And you have a photo of your baby and you know where your baby is and da 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 da. Uh-huh. So you've already paid the astronomical. There's, there's all the, there's for... all that. Well, that's coming. Okay. That's coming. There's I'll just a... sit on my yeah. question. No, that's okay. There's a big exchange of happinesses, mm-hmm. as I called it in the <laughs> Simpsons episode that I wrote about it. Um, you go, uh, so you go to Guangzhou, which is the point of entry in China, which is where the American embassy is. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there's one in Beijing as well. Um, you go to the hotel and then you get split up into groups. It's like, okay, you're going to Hubei. You're going to Xi'an. We're going to Chengdu. Mm-hmm. Uh, meet us in the hotel tomorrow morning. We'll fly to Chengdu. And then, and then what? We'll tell you later. So you don't know. So all you know is you have to be there in the morning. You don't know anything else. Right. Um, then you go to Chengdu, you get in the hotel, and you don't know. We're going to be here two days, three days, five days. They don't tell you anything. And in our case, uh, they say, okay, go up to your room, get settled in, uh, meet in the third floor conference room at three o'clock, and, uh, we'll go get, and we'll go get your babies. Wow. It's like a crazy reality show. And then you walk in your hotel room and there's a crib in it. <laughs> and, and you just stare at it. And we have this horrible, not horrible, it's amazing, this video of us killing an hour and a half before we become parents. Uh And we're just like putting Cheerios in baggies and folding baby clothes. We have no (laughs) idea. And our oldest daughter is such a hurricane. Uh, You know, it's like our life changed. Boom, like mm-hmm. like the shattering of glass, and 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 in the best way possible, and you know, and your life has purpose and meaning, and 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 you realize what it's really about, and all those great things. Uh, but it is funny; we're just kind of staring at it, like, "What the fuck are you gonna do?" Yeah. Uh, and then what what I thought of it, a weird thing, is the other parallel to that. The 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 the, sad, the flip side of that is us in our bedroom at our house, knowing our kids are in the kitchen, and knowing, okay, we got to go down there and tell them, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a drag. Uh, and those are two weird, uh, I guess those would be bookends. Right. It is um, so weird when something that Why you... am I horny now? <laughs> <laughs> it's really, I, I've had this sometimes, uh, there's a handful of times in my life, when something that you think is going to last for much longer than it does, all of a sudden sort of ends. And by the way, I'm not talking about my most recent job. I realize it sounds like I'm about to. I'm not <laughs> talking about more more meaningful losses. I'm like um, that with leftover ice cream cake. <laughs> I thought it would be there forever. When suddenly an experience becomes bookended and you just didn't you just didn't see it coming. You yeah. just didn't see that you were gonna be able to be like, Well, that one's now done and here's here's the beginning and here's the end of that. Yeah, and you know, you know, it's odd. You you know, it's reassuring too, like I know nothing. I could not have I three months ago I thought I would be having another family with the person that I was with, mm-hmm. and now I'm not. And uh, and just like, oh, that's interesting. 
if I didn't have if I didn't have kids already, it would be horrible. But right. I'm like, I'm anchored to the world. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it's very, very, very uh, strange and reassuring that life can still surprise you. Mm-hmm. And it gives me hope because like, like, yeah, there'll be more great stuff that I cannot anticipate. Like, I can't anticipate anything that would happen to me that would be really spectacular. But you know something will. Something will. Or horrible, you know. Or I'll get, you know, skull cancer. Cancer of the skull. Right. Which I'll just have to remove it. <laughs> and then I'll look like those the Doctor Who guys whose heads look like thumbs. It's good that you are able to still realize that spectacular things could happen because I think oftentimes with depression, it's just like you can't even connect with any of the good, yeah. even the potential for yeah, good. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not clinically depressed. I'm just kind of in a, in in a like, funk. Yeah, and I don't, like, I'm in a great, I mean, I'm, I'm in a great mood. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sad. I, I, I'm just kind of like absorbing all of the, the, in, the yeah. yeah, yeah, I just taking it in and kind of like, yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's what I was sort of starting to to ask again because there's not a lot of negative. Like there's not. I'm not at war with anybody, right? You know, and um, and uh, you know, because I've also uh, because I'm an adult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I'm an adult, and I know that that you know after after a certain point is is pretty childish. It still though seems like. And maybe divorce just turns people into children, but it seems like so many people I know who go through divorce, it does not stay amicable. Like, congratulations that it has. Well, uh, we 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 have a couple rules, and uh, and and we don't talk about the legality mm-hmm. at all. Your lawyers with each do. other. Yeah, I talk to them. She talks to hers. They talk to each other. And we don't have an elaborate. And you aren't tempted to break that rule. No, no, not at all. Just the opposite. Mm-hmm. I wish it was further. I wish it was further apart. And our situation is not tenacious. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, basically we sat down and went like, "Look, what if we did A, B, C?" And she was like, "What if we did A, B, C, D?" I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." That was it. That's great. And the lawyer's like, "Well, we can't make a lot of money on this. Can we drag it out?" <laughs> yeah, they try and they try. So, am I right that? Going straight into another relationship on the heels of the uh, breakup of your marriage sort of forestalled the the grief or the yeah, feeling. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 completely. So that's why it was. With, I, we should just say it was because people will read about it. It was. It was with Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to say Jennifer Lawrence or if I was going to say Angela Merkel. <laughs> Both hot, two hot numbers. It was with Rue McClanahan. You know, just so you know. Wow! Wow! So you really don't you don't have uh, an age that you go for? You play the field. No, I'll play the from, field from if Jennifer put up to with my, Angela to Rue. If they'll put up with my Planet of the Apes stuff, <laughs> they're fine. Uh, so what? Ha- it, to again, to the extent that you are willing to go into it, what happened with this past relationship? Um, it, you know, we were we both met each other in the uh the in the throes of our uh, emotional turmoil of our divorce and i think that we absolutely clung to each other like a life raft mm-hmm. and got each other through that through that period um and because of that neither one of us had to really confront and deal with the with our mutual divorces right and um uh, I, I think that for for me it was starting to happen, and for her it, it happened very suddenly. 
where she just realized like, oh, I have to process this stuff. Mm. Um, and it originally, it started like, like I have to deal with this. This is going to be gnarly. Um, let's take a break. Cause I have to kind of circle the wagons uh-huh. and then, and then it was just like, let's just, I was like, and by that time I was like, okay. Did you see that coming? No, no, I was, I was uh, blindsided. Uh, blindsided by it, but I had done it. I tried to do it in January. I kind of went through a oh. mini version of it in January. So I knew what she was going through, mm-hmm. but you know, and I was like, I don't think this, I don't think this could work. I don't think this is going to work. And because of the t- plate, like, the timing, deal, for both the timing years. yeah timing and there was a it was an age difference that was uh you know she was nine not a, yeah not, not unusual hollywood standards but mm-hmm. um and uh and i would i was like i don't think it's gonna work and it, you know it was like it was like the generals going in to tell hitler that the russians were nearing berlin and then they talked to her for 20 minutes and they walk out we can win <laughs> you know, it was one of those <laughs> we can do it um uh and then uh a couple months later, I found out, no, we can't <laughs> get in the bunker. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm now in the, what I'm trying to say is I'm now in the Fuhrer bunker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm reading about World War II, so I'm going to make a lot of those analogies. It seems to really be sinking in. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Hitler, one ball, did all that on one ball. Can you imagine if he had to? I know. I know. We'd all be speaking German. <laughs> it's interesting that you guys were both sort of in simul- in the similar simultaneous situations, though, throughout the relationship. It yeah. Like. Yeah. And she's an amazing person. She's a great person. Do you think um, – it, but it also, to me, sounds like if you guys what you if you guys both needed to work through your stuff, there might be a chance to come together again in the yeah, future. Nah, Probably not. Nah. Okay. No, I don't think so. Because she's going to start going to high school. She's, she's the world's gonna, gonna open up for her. She's gonna start going to high school. Uh, no, I don't. I I don't. Uh, I don't think that. I I don't think that that is the case. Only because I we're I, I'm far too accepting of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was such a like it. You know, it. I got I got to I get it so quickly. How quick? Day a couple days. Like, yeah, I get oh. it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. yeah just, you're right. You're right. I mean, it was never like, so it was just kind of like, yeah, this is probably it. Right. But I don't, but to that end, I don't envision there will ever be a time where we're not close. Mm-hmm. And we're close now, you know. So. Um, Going back to something you said before. Well, she's on tour with the new Hunger Games movie, so we're not talking as much. Right. Right. But I feel like some of the. I'm dating Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I'm dating a computer reenactment of Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> you said that after you and your wife decided you were going to divorce, you still stayed together for six months, sleeping yeah. in the same bed. What was uh, the what were those six months like? I, honestly, can't remember. Really? Yeah, just blocked a it. Block. Uh, it's just a blur. It's like a and, and 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 you know it's funny in this the woman I was dating, she would tell me something like, "Remember when this happened?" And I was like, "Nope." Did that happen? You know, like, yeah, we didn't talk for like a month. Like, no, that never happened. Like, yeah, really? It's just a blur. So it's like it sounds like 2013 is just is is a big blah to me. I can barely tell you anything about it. So it sounds like maybe even maybe while you weren't processing the intensity of emotion, you were feeling it. Like it was hitting you anyway. Yeah, it was, it, it was just too much. Yeah, you're just in shock. I mean, it's like when you. I, I think from what I understand, like when you get shot, mm-hmm. you don't feel it right away. Right. 
You know, it's like, oh, I'm shot. And then about a minute and a half later, you're like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Two you know, years you, later. Yeah. You, you see a lot of stories about like guys that look down like, oh, I've been shot. When did I get shot? You know, like you don't feel it because your mm-hmm. body's just absorbing it. And then once the, the, your brain has received the information, it absorbs the information and it sends out the response to your body. Mm-hmm. So can I ask you about something that you and I have never, I'm sure you have talked about it at length elsewhere, but you and I have never talked about it. Um, Dudes, I'm just not into them. But I get what about it. Donald I get Sutherland? the appeal. <laughs> I get the appeal. I like Donald Sutherland because he looks like Santa. And I would think if I was dating Santa, I would get some cool in a shirt. It's true. Pick yeah. of the uh, elves mm-hmm. productions. Um, no. So listener, my listeners know that <clears throat> I'm trying to get pregnant. Uh, and Look, uh, this is, I told you earlier, I can't feel anything right now. <laughs> I know, but I was just, we've never <laughs> talked about it. So I'm sure you've talked about What's it elsewhere. What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> Um, I'm trying to get pregnant, and if all, all the uh, IVF and all that does not work, uh-huh. adoption is definitely something that that we are considering. Right. Not there yet, but definitely something we're considering. But I'm wondering, can you tell me a little bit about what it was like? Because that the idea of just going from no child yeah. to all of a sudden, here's your child, now you're like, what is that like? Well, I can't say enough good about the whole deal. Um, you and you have three adopted children. I have three uh, children, uh, all from China. Mm-hmm. Uh, China adoption from China is now drastically different than it was when we began the process. The one-child policy is no more. Um, they have slowed down uh, the numbers of children uh, that are being adopted out. They don't have the bumper crop of children <laughs> that they once had. Although some people would debate that. Mm-hmm. Um, be that as it may, my wife was reading a book called The Lost Daughters of China, which is a, was about the the terrible uh, impact of the one-child policy mm-hmm. uh, in China. And, it, and it's sort of a great uh, lesson learned about unexpected consequences. For example, you wouldn't think that invading a country like Iraq <laughs> would create a thing like ISIS. Yet that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, sometimes big moves have unintended consequences, like every time. (laughs) Right. Predictably, every Every time. Every single time something happens that you can't predict, and it's usually not what you think. And in the case of the one-child policy, it was drastically unexpected. In China, because of the population uh, explosion um, and the lack of resources, uh, the government said uh, families are only allowed one child. And in China, if you have a boy, uh, that boy grows up and gets a wife, and then the wife and the daughter live with you, and they take care of you until you're dead. If you have a girl, the girl goes off and lives with her husband and his family, and you're fucked. (laughs) So people said, let's have boys. Mm -hmm. And if they had a girl, they would like, no, let's try for a boy. Mm -hmm. And the girl would be left someplace um, in the best case scenario. Uh, and so they had all uh, these orphanages full of abandoned girls. What happened as a result of that is I have a family and girls who had no power in Chinese culture became incredibly powerful because there's one girl for every 27 guys. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a wealthy, good looking, 
guy with a lot going on, girl wouldn't look at you twice. And suddenly they all the women in China had all the power. Wow. And the patriarchy was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> we were trying to get rid of you. What yeah, happened? Yeah. It's like, you're no. stronger than ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, supply and demand, you know, so which is not the, something you think of with communism. But uh, Girls kind of became ISIS there. Uh, well, yeah. It was uh, in the sense of the Shazam ISIS power, our ISIS, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, just an odd, unintended uh, result of the one-child policy. Women had all the power. And, uh, and now that has been... Um, uh, rescinded. What I will say about adoption was this. I always had an unspoken belief that there was no reason to have a biological kid. Me, I, you know, mm. it's, it's my, my opinion. Uh, if there's a kid here, then that's fine. Then what's the point? Right. Um, my family is famously dysfunctional. I didn't grow up with a very clannish sense of belonging. But a buttload of siblings, right? Buttload, yeah, well, yeah, buttload of siblings. I think we all had dinner at the same table twice in my <laughs> life. You know, it was like basically get food, eat it. Mm-hmm. There's just no, it was very, you're, you're here, you're clothed, uh, you're on your own. And uh, so I never had like a sense of like continuing my bloodline. I just, right. It just meant nothing to me. And I'm not saying that that's your motivation at all. Um, my wife was reading a book called The Lost Daughters of China about the one child policy, kind of came to me and said like, this is kind of a big thing we should maybe talk about. Um, I think I would rather adopt a baby from China before we have a biological child. At that time, had you been considering having a biological child? No, we had only been married about a year and a half. And we knew it was a long process. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, I, like, I just told and she'd you. Really, like, and she'd been torturing herself for like four weeks. Like, oh, I got to tell him it's going to be weird because mm-hmm. we didn't talk about this before. And she right. thought I was going to be like. And I was literally like, no, great. What's the pro- what were you worried about? What's the problem? Like, I was totally fine with it she expected that you would have the reaction that no you want to have a biological child yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i i couldn't have care i i couldn't have cared less where the baby came from right i couldn't have cared less there's not any country that she could have said where you would have been like i don't think so nope. no in fact we 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 like thought about like let's let's have like an uh, and then we'll get a kid from Chile and then we'll get a kid from you know Ethiopia and we'll have like a little UN and it'll be hilarious <laughs> your own Benetton <clears throat> ad yeah no we that was our goal mm-hmm. but what happened was uh we got Lulu our first daughter and then we we're sitting down to think about our second daughter mm-hmm. and it was just quite literally our second child and then we thought, well, look, we know everybody in China. We know uh, all these people are our friends now. The, you know, the organization, the lawyer, the infrastructure in China. It would also be good for Lulu and her sister to have a common background story, right. a common origin story. So as they're older, they will have someone to talk to who sh- has that experience and those emotional things. So we said, oh, well, we'll go back to China. And then it was just like, well, let's just go for three. You know, it was just like, you know, basically we just said, fuck Ethiopia. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that like suddenly being parents? It was great. It was great. I, I, you know, it's like, it's the only thing I've done in my life that's worth a damn. 
and uh, I, I, I was made to do it. it. It was so, you know, the, the whole instantly you get the most important nugget of information, which is it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Your life is no longer about you. And that's a big relief. And um, yeah, you're tired and, and covered in drool. But uh, no, uh, and Lulu, our, our oldest, has had a hilariously outgoing personality that she has to this day. And it was the same person. The, you know, the, the person that I dropped off at school this morning is the same person I met when she was 53 weeks old. <laughs> she just has better language skills. It's the mm-hmm. same exact person. Um, and uh, it was it was great. It was and it was, you know, at the time I was writing in The Simpsons. So I had like a regular job. My wife had a regular job. We'd get up in the morning. You know, I was like being I was like it was like playing. People would look at it as like people would see us and like, oh, just a nice functional adult couple. Mm-hmm. They both have jobs. They're married. They own a house. and They have kids. To us, we were both like, it's like we're playing adults. <laughs> you know, on paper, we're adults. I'm we're still goofy right um but uh but it's like we were playing at being adults and it was great it was it was a ton of fun and still is my youngest daughter is only six i mean she's still it's i still have a baby and um i get a little bit i'm asking you to answer for your your ex-wife which i don't know if you can or not but did you feel like you bonded in a parental way instantly because and this is perhaps yes okay in and this I tell people. I said somebody said, we were afraid that you – what if we adopt a kid? Because I was talking to somebody who was thinking about adopting a child. And I was like, what if I adopt a kid and I don't bond with it? I go, then your problems run a lot deeper than mm-hmm. having a kid. Yes, it takes microseconds. It takes – in my case, right. it takes microseconds. You hold them. They look at you <laughs> and you're done. And if you're not done, you have a bigger problem than anything right. a baby's going to – Address. And I mean, here in the States, there's a lot, um, I don't know if it's more popular now, but it, like, I hear a lot of talk of open adoptions, but do they have any knowledge of who their parents are? No one does. They were literally, oh, really? they, wow. they were abandoned. They were left. Uh, Lulu was left at three months old on the steps of a hospital. Alice was left at one day old, they think, at a, uh, at a bus stop. And uh, Nellie was left at the door of an orphanage. Oh my God. Yeah. Very young very young so there's sadly there are ways now that you can uh dna test there's a story there's a documentary about a girl who literally um posted her baby photo at a village in china where she was found and did end up meeting her biological parents i cannot imagine that yeah, the um, chances yeah. That you'd recognize and, and, your baby, that baby. Yeah, and well, the parents like no, it was like yeah, no, I guess you do. I mean, like, but you know, it's a lot of people that are, you know, a lot of the babies are from out in the buttfuck wherever, and then they drive <laughs> two hours into the into the city and mm. they put the baby where they know the baby will be safe. And uh, but somehow this somebody knew somebody, and somebody knew that they abandoned their baby and. They met their dad, and the mother is not in the documentary. Uh, didn't want to be filmed, but the father, you know, it's just a sad story. Like, we had a child. We did not have, we couldn't afford to pay the tax on another child. We think about you every day. <laughs> you know, it's oh like, it's all, God. yeah, of course, of course you do. Of course you do. Right. Um, and what is, what is, uh, I, I, it kills me that I don't know the name of it, but what's amazing about it is that, the daughter is with her American adopted parents. 
and they're interviewing her. It's her documentary. And she goes, after my birth parents left, I was with my mom and dad because that's who your mom and dad are. Your mom and dad are the people whose genitals cooked you up, uh-huh. the people who raised you, the right. people who put you to bed at night and fed you and that you threw up on and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, th- that's your, those are your, your parents. And, uh, and that's reassuring because I think a lot of people feel – I know that – when they get to be around 14, 15, they start to ask a lot of questions like, well, where was I found? What happened? Did my mom walk away? It's just a, it's just that's when the time. Right. For whatever reason. And I think I know as a parent, like the fear is are they going to think, well, you're not my real parents. Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't happen. That doesn't yeah. happen. And uh, you are their real parents. No. So you said something um, when you were on my show last time. And I'm wondering – and it was very profound. And I'm wondering your thoughts about it now. Um one day Donald Trump will be the president of this great land. It was so prophetic and I thought you were crazy at the time. But lo and behold, look what's happened. Um, you said all the feelings that you have, rage, frustration, anger, don't ignore them. And that the more you try to squelch them, the more they'll just come, yeah, come yeah, they're gonna stronger come than come back. Which yeah. is something that I've really – it's weird how many times I've sort of heard that message in like the last handful of days because I am someone who second guesses my feelings and tries to push them away and feels like, oh, oh, yeah, I do. I do that all the do. time. Yeah. But you have to – but you just don't ignore them. I mean you can process them. I, I will say like – um, I'm in, I'm in, I don't care, I'm in Al-Anon, which is uh, people who grew up in families with a lot of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and it's only because as a child, you're supposed to get a certain toolkit to function as an adult. And I didn't get it because my, for whatever reason, right. we didn't get those toolkits and you're really, you're at a great social, emo- emotional, social, psychological disadvantage as you go through your life. And what is interesting is the ways in which you cope, overcompensate are, are so textbook. And when you go into a room, it is so, it's like, oh, I do that. You do that. Oh, my God. We all do that. It's just mm-hmm. a standard thing, you know, and, uh, you know, um, as they say, uh, you know, that uh, <laughs> alcoholics think that they are the piece of shit that the world revolves around. And uh, growing up in that environment, uh, you don't – you're not allowed to be a kid because mm-hmm. you're always taking care of the people that are supposedly taking care of you. Right. But they're not taking care of you because they're living in addiction. Mm-hmm. And – I find there are times in my life where I'm confronted with things, you know, um, in in my in the relationship I had, uh, you know, my I wouldn't had I gotten into Al-Anon and in the early aughts, I would not be divorced. Had I gotten into Al-Anon and any earlier, any time before 2011, I would not be divorced. Because I would known, I would have known that a lot of the things that I was doing that I thought at the time was the right thing, I was, as they would say, acting out. Uh-huh. I was, you know, trying to move around reality like a chessboard. So I felt like I was in control of everything because I can't not be in control of anything. And, um, and when you feel that you're entering into a situation where you're not in control, you shut down and divert from it and look in another direction because you can't deal with something that you're not in control of. Mm-hmm. Um, because kids who are who grow up in that environment are raised in chaos. There's no stability. There's nothing you can count on. There's nothing you can depend on, and that becomes uh, completely uh, anathema. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, I struggled in, in, you know, so, so my marriage was definitely a, a, a victim of that, uh, things that I, that I did not without bad intention, but trying I'm, to, trying to of your codependence is that how you would yeah, codependent no no um a little bit of codependence but more um my uh my my inability to let go of control of my own existence and allow someone in mm. um because that's terrifying Right, because you're vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, De- death before intimacy is the, <laughs> is the is the license plate frame of the of the uh, of, of my family, and <laughs> um, uh, and so in my other uh, relationship I had after the big question I would have all the time is like when I said uh, you know like I don't think this is going to work because. In a, in a year, you're going to be this age, you're going to be this age, and you're, I'm going to be wanting to do this, you're going to want to do this, and things are great now, but in 27 months, this is going to not work. Uh, and that was complete Al-Anon thinking. But to me, it was – I struggled with am I, am, I doing, am I doing the wrong thing or the right thing? Mm-hmm. Am I showing up for myself and going, this is not going to work out and you need to stand up for yourself and protect yourself right. and do this person a favor – or am I acting out and thinking in the future and trying to control my life like a chess game? I really, really, really honestly did not know which one I was doing. And in, that was awful. In retrospect, do you have greater insight into which one you were doing or is it still a mystery? I think I was right for all the wrong reasons. Is there some sort of way that you that one typically can know whether they're acting out or showing up for themselves? I mean, the thing that occurred to me is as you were as you as you were bringing up the the question is well are you acting out of from a place of fear yeah usually i i can only speak for myself which of these choices leaves you um open vulnerable and exposed to someone loving you and which of these choices leaves you alone and in control right quote unquote uh, and usually the latter is acting out. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You know, uh, you know, my goal, my my ambition is, I'm living in an apartment. I'm 87. I have a long white beard. I'm just a pair of ratty, tidy whiteies, uh, <laughs> full of stains. And just before I die, I look up to the ceiling and say, "I win." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was it that made you... As, as Larry Brown, the comedian from San Francisco, said, they'll find me with a bag of Doritos and a fuck book. <laughs> and then we can't touch the body till the power company comes out. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is that Larry Bubbles Brown? That's Larry Bubbles Brown. Done a podcast with him. Oh, did you really? Yeah, we did a live Adam Carolla show with him in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Larry's like, he's. we're very close. Um, what was it that made you go to your first Al-Anon meeting? Um, I knew, I knew, I knew people that, uh, that were in it and I was in a different, uh, a a different version of that same thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was, and I found that one over time, I had less and less and less in common 
than the people in it than I thought I did at first. It was just like the more time I spent in it, the less I felt like this is not the group that I should be in. I feel like, and without knowing which that other group was, I don't know, but I feel like I've had that exact same experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I went to Al-Anon and it was me. I was like, oh yeah, no, this, I get this. Mm-hmm. You know, Right. Because sometimes people who belong in Al-Anon also drink too much. Yeah, and then like th- this is not my this is not my case, but I'll give you an example. Like, okay, I know somebody that you know smoked a lot of pot, and then they said, ah, "I'm smoking too much pot. Mm-hmm. I got to stop." And they had a really hard time stopping, so they went to NA. You know, but they're in NA with people going like, "Well, I'm feeling really good today. I don't think I'm going to have to go to prison." <laughs> I thought I was going to, you know, <laughs> just like I don't what, what, what? Mm. You know, I zoned out at a meeting. <laughs> you know, what you, like you know, you you robbed a liquor store. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I I can't be here. I can't be. Here. And then you talk about your problem. Like, get the fuck out of here. Um, I actually went when I lived in New York. I felt like my drug dabbling. Uh, I say dabbling. Well, you were in a band. To- this was after I was in a band, but oh. I say dabbling to try to really underplay it. Although the truth is compared to like some serious drug user, I was just dabbling, yeah. but, but still. So I felt like it was getting out of hand. So I went to an NA meeting and it, I was like, I'm in a room with all the people that if they were on the subway, I would be trying not to make eye contact yeah, with yeah, them yeah, exactly, because I'm yeah. afraid of these people who are addicted to crack and yet they're holding hands with me. Granted, I will go wash yeah. my hands immediately at the end. Of this. Yeah. I'm just kidding, but I mean, it, it yeah, was, but no, you're. I mean, you're it's in so it with heartwarming, them. but yeah. all, but also, I was you're like, in it with them, yeah, yeah. But it, but very weird. You're in it with them, but you're you need to, uh, uh, you know, there's a you if if you're not getting what you need, then you got to go to where you can get what you need, and right. and, and it took I did a lot of. A lot of experimentation, a lot of trial and error to kind of to get where I wanted to be. And, and you know, it's, uh, you know, as as much of a train wreck as I am, uh, um, the fact that I have gotten as far as I have gotten is a miracle. You know, uh, you know, my siblings all live. They're great, but they all live two miles from my parents, you know, they're, they have, uh, families and, and things, but like, I live on the other side of the country. I have a career that is completely different from anything Mm -hmm. that is even considered an option from where I, you know, I'm from a mill town in Massachusetts. Uh, my one brother's a, a prison official. My other brother works for the phone company. My other brother is a prison guard. My other brother is a home inspector, mm-hmm. you know, my, and my sister works for a veterinarian. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody's saying, I'd like to write cartoons and tell jokes. Right. It's not an option. It's not something you do. And I was driven by my desire to do stand up. Like that's what gave me the, the, the power to, to break out of that orbit. And, uh, and, and go uh go and and make something of myself and you know when i went i meet people that i knew when i was a comedian in boston when i was 19 and 18 years old and i'm just like i'm so sorry because i had no social skills none i mean i was you mentioned that you did not get your yeah, shit together until you were 30 about 30 yeah and i i mean i didn't know how to meet people i didn't know how to be around people that didn't know me like I just had, I was, I just was, had absolutely no 
skills at all. I had no, I couldn't read cues. I was just, and then being in Boston in the eighties and comedy is like, okay, you're a loud, obnoxious 18 year old. Go hang out with these 35 year old cokeheads for a while. It was just a bad combination. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't love me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's take a quick break. All of them, though, great people that I'm now friends with today. Say that again. All of them, all of the people that had to suffer me in my teens, uh, I'm I'm very good, solid friends with today. (laughs) Nobody held it against me. Let's take some questions that people sent in on Twitter. The Twitter. The Twitter. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. <laughs> All right. J-Mo Zambobo says, what movies or shows were or are you excite- most excited about sharing with your kids? And what's your favorite show on MeTV? What is MeTV? Uh, MeTV is a network out of Chicago that just shows old television shows. Gotcha. And uh, if Dragnet was on, that would be my favorite show. But now it's Perry Mason. (laughs) I watch Perry Mason. I literally watch it every night. And I don't know why, but I do. Jeff also does, right? Yeah, I watch Perry Mason every night, and Dana and I have and we have a discussion, lengthy <laughs> text discussions about Perry Mason. And sometimes it's like, did you think the commissioner from Batman did it? Because I was surprised when it was the skipper from Gilligan's Island, because it's all of these actors that just recycle through. Yeah, did you see that one with Marion Ross when she was really young? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richie's mom was kind of hot the other night. On did you see the one about the dog, the farmer who had the dog? Oh yeah, yeah. The the daughter, the hot his hot blonde daughter was Natalie Trundy, who was in uh, uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, married to Planet of the Apes producer Arthur P. Jacobs. Really? Yeah. I didn't know she had done any other acting. The show that you I were share on with Jeopardy my kids, and a category was Planet yeah, of the Apes. Yeah, it would Apes. be shameful. Yeah. Um, the show that I watched with my kids, oddly, is a show that I like kind of got into again because of my kids, is uh, Doctor Who. Ah. Which uh, I liked in the like, 80s when it was on PBS. And then uh, my daughters got into it and uh, I got back into it. And my oldest daughter also loves uh, Walking Dead. So. And now we know. Uh, Brian Ruiz says, what was the inspiration for political talk with two guys from Boston? The original idea was uh, I thought it would be interesting if just two guys with thick Boston accents that were clearly just townies had uh, a very intellectual conversation <laughs> about um, about current events. And the origin of it came from somebody I know, and I, I can't remember who this was. It was some photographer dude was working a porn shoot downtown. And he was saying that these two like jacked up Viagra out porn guys, or as my friend Ken Daly calls them, professional sweaty fuck dudes, <laughs> um, were on the roof of this building downtown at like two in the morning having a very nuanced conversation about socialism. And I thought that would be so funny, but 
what I, again, life is full of surprises. What I didn't anticipate was John Ennis is bringing in, I didn't know who I was going to do it with. And then I thought, and my ex-wife actually said, John Ennis needs to be the guy. And um, my ex-wife also named the show. Um, John Ennis uh, came in and he brought his own other thing to it. And so we just, it's just improvised. It's always improvised. And, uh, and we just kind of let it go. And, you know, come up with some really funny stuff. Brent says, ask him how he likes fun size candy bars and Simon and Garfunkel. I hate both. He knows my act. (laughs) (laughs) They're Uh, called fun size. Fun size is the first time that kids are lied to by advertising. uh, You want a candy bar and you get one fourth of a candy bar. How (laughs) is that fun? It's not. They just can't call it shitty size. (laughs) Here's less. Go crazy. <laughs> I saw you do stand up for the first time a couple years ago and it I was blown away because I knew you from podcasts yeah. and you know I had had sat next to you and done podcasts a bunch and knew you were hilarious but seeing you do stand up was like just a whole other level of watching someone like who's so masterful in a certain area. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sorry. Thank I feel like you. this is coming off as like a backhanded compliment and I mean it as no, like a genuine compliment. Just I, I think it's a forehanded compliment. Okay, good. That's what I'm trying to, Yeah, I just, anyone, if you have the opportunity to see Dana Gould do stand up, do it. Thank you. <laughs> it, <laughs> because I've been doing it. All I will say is this. I started doing stand up when I was 17. Mm-hmm. If yeah, I, I mean, wasn't just, good at it by now, it would be pretty sad. But better than just good at it, like amazing yeah. at it and uh, so high energy and just you had the you had such control um of the crowd and really uh just I was just blown away. That's fun. I uh, I have a natural ability at that and uh parenting. <laughs> Those are the two things I'm I can do. Fonts Felita. I don't want I don't want to be uh hopefully uh, hopefully I'm good at parenting. Maybe mm-hmm. my kids will end up joining a cult and I'll go, well, I thought I was doing it right. <laughs> no, I think I can tell. I think you are. Fonts Faluda, which is not his real name, says, fuck show business. Ask him about his kitties. And then there's a picture of you with a little gray cat. Oh, yeah. That's Ella. That's uh, uh, I have two cats. I have Ella and Mr. Mustache. <laughs> and Mr. Mustache, if I can show you, I know we're, we're looking at photos here, but uh, Mr. Mustache is uh, both cats were found. Uh, Ella was found under an abandoned building. Mr. Mustache was found under a dumpster in uh, the People's Republic of Azusa. Mm. Hey, if you can't find a picture, I have pictures of your cat on my phone. Well, wait, is that weird? Wait is that till weird? you see this. Wait till you see this picture. This one will kill you. This was last night. Um, this is Mr. Mustache. Hello, ladies. Wow. Stud. What a stud he yeah. is. That's cute. Yeah. He likes to sleep on my head. Mm-hmm. So it's like at four in the morning. Yeah, crazy. That's what Wendy does. She's well. She sleeps on my husband's head. Yeah. Occasionally, she'll make her way over to my head, but usually it's his, and I'm uh, kind of jealous. I have two dogs, two cats, three kids, and a podcast. What happened to Carmela and Cookie, the guinea pigs? Carmela and Cookie. Oh no! Shit the bed. Mm. I I blame. I think honestly. The only words I can use to describe it are owl massacre. Oh, my God. Foul play. Yeah. I assume. I thought it was just it's been some years and guinea pigs don't live that long. They don't know. An owl. I think an owl got into their pen. 
How? They had a little, we, they had like guinea pig Shangri-La. Uh, like we had a rab, like a rabbit hutch mm-hmm. that they could go in and out, but a yard that with a fenced in yard. So they had like a little right. Beverly Hillbillies set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it was in our backyard and we also have an owl in the neighborhood. And I think the owl just, they no. were out front one day and the owl just went, I'd like to rip that apart. Is that what you found? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Cookie and Carmela, and also you and your kids. Yeah, that was... A bad day. I didn't find it, but I was told oh. that it was pretty grim. Ugh. And then we had rabbits. They also died. They couldn't wait to die. Died naturally or at the hands of a predator? No, they died naturally. Like a rabbit will just get outside and then it'll be hot and they just die. Yeah. They're rabbits the kind of suck. Yeah, I've I had uh two rabbits separately and um I don't know if I would say they suck, but they're certainly not dogs or cats. No. No. Okay. Gary K says, ask Dana how he feels about all the flack he's getting for his position on gun control. I think he's spot on. Oh, I sometimes take to Facebook and I will go off on a screed about gun control because I think it's and it was like the, we were talking about this the Syrian issue. Um there are problems in this country that don't get addressed because of an incredibly entrenched, loud, vast minority of mm-hmm. people. The NRA being one of the the worst. Um, here's a great example. Um, you know, there were uh, suspected terrorists in this country that had been able to stockpile weapons with uh, great ease because the NRA had successfully prevented uh cross-referencing uh gun purchases with criminal history i mean the, the the nra is solely uh um its sole purpose is to sell guns right and the way they do it is we are going to let anybody who wants to buy a gun buy a gun and if that scares you buy a gun you know and then people get tricked into thinking that they're being patriotic by enthusiastically supporting this amoral, vaguely criminal enterprise. Do you get a lot of shit for it? Well, you know, the same 40 people call you every name in the book uh, because they live to do that. And, you know, I'm I'm you know, that's the. That that's the deal with people that are one issue people that are fiercely devoted to it. You know, ninety five percent of the American people believe in sensible gun legislation, background checks, trigger locks, automatic is weapons. Is that true? Ninety five percent. Ninety five percent. Ninety five percent. God, that five percent is so fucking loud. But the five percent is loud and stuffing envelopes year round. Right. And devoted. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you can't talk to them because. That, you know, if you say, I don't want to confiscate your guns, you will get 75 people going, fuck you, you're never going to take away my guns because they yeah. don't listen. And you can't have a conversation about that. I think the Syrian refugee thing is amazing because we are afraid that some Syrian is going to come in, get an automatic rifle and start killing people like they did in Paris. No, we have plenty of Americans doing <laughs> that every day. Yeah, and you your only problem with that, that is why do the people in the restaurants don't have M16s? You know, it's like it, it's just. I don't like bullies and I don't like cowards. So they're both. And also, and I'm sure I'll get a ton of people writing in based on me saying this, but where are all the examples of people who had concealed weapons 
saving masses of people because they took out the shooter. Are there any? Yes. Yeah, there are. It has happened, but they're outliers. Right. You know, it, and, and no one is saying you shouldn't have, you should, no one is saying you shouldn't be able to buy a gun, but you shouldn't be able to stockpile weapons. You know, it, and, and a lot of it has to go to there need to be changes in the HIPAA laws. Mm-hmm. If you are depressed or bipolar or manic depressive, then there needs to be a, um, a cross referencing right. uh, set of information so that if you also then try to buy an AR 15, we know that you are on, um, antidepressants or yeah. not antidepressants, but antipsychotics. Right. Um, a I, lot of this stuff, yeah. a lot of this stuff can be fixed and addressed. Uh, no one wants to, uh, repeal the Second Amendment. Uh, but the Second Amendment also is possibly the most drastically misinterpreted. Uh, aspect of the constitutional amendments we have exploited uh well it's my friend jonathan goldblatt said it best uh anybody who believes that we should uh have a literal translation of the second amendment should also have to get medical uh service from that era as well (laughs) (laughs) uh and lastly jesse d says favorite thanksgiving side dish oh that's a really good one jesse d i'm gonna say mashed sweet potatoes with walnuts and i'm out wow my Good. ex-wife is a phenomenal cook will she be making the, yep. these mashed potatoes mashed yep. sweet potatoes mm-hmm. uh do any particular thanksgiving side dish that you feel is overrated uh here no but i will say this here's a here's a there's a white trash in me okay i vastly prefer the jellied cranberry sauce that is still in the shape of the can. With the little divots from the can. Yeah, I like those too. Still in the shape of the can. Okay, before we do Just Mirror Everyone, I want to talk to you guys about Avant. Let's talk money. Truth is, sometimes honest, hardworking folks need a little extra, and some banks don't make it fast or easy. But I'll tell you who does. Avant. Finally, a company who gets it. Avant provides access to personal loans from $1,000 to $35,000 without ever stepping foot in a branch. You simply go to avantoffer.com and check your competitive rate. Checking your rate is risk-free with no effect on your FICO score. Complete your application in minutes and the funds could be in your account as soon as tomorrow. See how easy and convenient borrowing is through avantoffer.com. Avant will give you a $50 amazon.com gift card after you make your first payment on time. For this offer and to check your rate, risk-free, go to avantoffer.com and enter promo code FRIEND. That's avant, A-V-A-N-T, offer.com, promo code FRIEND. avantoffer.com, promo code FRIEND. Loans made by WebBank, funds are generally deposited via ACH for delivery next business day if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. FICO is a registered trademark of Fair Isaac Corporation. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. Okay, let's do Just Mirror, everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? Phil, and we'll weigh in. Phil Scrog says... My Phil Scrog? Do you know this? No, but a great name. I love that name. Solid. My grocery store bag persons always practice the 80-20 rule when it comes to weight distribution. 
Um, I was a bag person. How, well, then how do you feel about I these dispersions? I, I did my time. <laughs> what is interesting about weight dispersions is, and this is something that baggers realize, people get upset when you cross pollinate bags. Like they don't want stuff from, they don't want. Really? They don't want their shampoo with their bananas? Yeah. Not even, you know, they, they don't want, yeah, uh, potatoes with Pop-Tarts. Really? Yeah, I they would want stuff, much prefer that. They want than... stuff in the aisle that they got it in. And sometimes you've got you've to do that. Those people are ruining it for the rest of us. Because I hate when it's like, please don't put all of the beverages in one bag because yeah. now I can't lift the bag. Well, the line was that it was like, a, you know, the joke that bag boys had when I did it was you'd get the typical request was, could you please put everything in one bag? Nothing on the bottom and keep it light. <laughs> uh, Darla Garrett says, I like the smell of a candle better after it's blown out. Well, I know what she means. With a scented candle, oftentimes after you blow it out, that's when you actually smell. That's when I smell it the most strongly. But also it's usually cut with smoke at that point. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. Lizzie Rose says, "When compar- I don't have candles. I'm a dude. Mm-hmm. Jeff also has kind of an anti-candle stance. Why would you have an open flame in your home? Is that not what you said? Yes. Okay. And people have open open flames in their home very casually. Candle out on a wooden mantle, something like that. See, what I do is because I I don't take a bath and line it with candles. What I will do, though, is I'll take a shower and put a bunch of mini flashlights on. (laughs) And then I feel like I'm in the fuck scene from Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) S to S. Oh, line what a movie. disturbing, but good, but disturbing movie. I hated that movie. I hated that movie. I thought, I thought that movie was bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe I would think that now. I just thought the watching the sort of coming undone of the older woman character whose name I can no longer That was the thing remember. that sent me over the edge because it oh, was really? such a cartoon at that point. No, if you take diet pills, the refrigerator will chase you. <laughs> no, what if, what if one person went insane and the other people had normal problems? Yeah. Okay. But he's a good point. filmmaker, Dan Aronofsky. That's who, yeah. What he knows more other? than I do. Did you see Pie? I think that was Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. That was pretty good, I think, but I can't remember. No, I didn't see Pie. I saw Life of Pie about the kid in the boat. Oh, yeah. It's a different movie. Yeah. Lizzie Rose says, when composing an email, I imagine the reader translating it into another language as a way to check my tenses pronouns. I've never done that. No. <laughs> I think that's just you. Lizzie, Lizzie is, I'm going to tell you something about Lily Rose right now. All right. Lizzie Rose. Lizzie Rose. She has a house with many rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Bruise by Dawn says, when day begins with only part of a pull tab coming off, leaving containers sealed, I think just bad luck or harbinger of worse. I do that all the yeah. time, throughout the day, every time. I, I'm always ascribing way too much meaning to things that, have no meaning and yeah. but then i don't actually live my because i'll be like oh that's bad luck but 20 minutes later i've forgotten and yeah. then if something bad happens i'm never like i knew it when i pulled the pull tab it didn't work yeah just go back to bed i pulled, <laughs> go back to bed scott hatherley says just mirror everyone can never remember any of the smart and witty tweets i think up when i get back from my morning run uh, oh i tweet yeah. while they run <laughs> I tweet, well, I, yeah, I tweet and send emails while I'm on the exercise bike. So, uh, but no, but in general, I know what you mean. Careful, texter. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Kelly K says, just mirror everyone. 
And this one baffles me a little. The first squeeze of toothpaste is always the strongest and loses its mintiness after you use it for a while. Is she saying after you brush for a while it loses its mintiness or like as you get to the bottom of the tube, it's less minty? I'm assuming she means that, but I don't brush my teeth for flavor. <laughs> I just want to get the filth off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, you're supposed to brush your dog's teeth every day. That's one of those things that no one does it. Mm-mm. If you did everything every day that you're supposed to do, you'd have you'd, no time to leave your house. You would have none. Yeah. No. What do you mean you don't brush your dog's teeth, do 40 minutes of aerobic exercise and meditate two hours a day? And give yourself a breast exam. Yeah. Yeah. I've never brushed Wendy's teeth. And just recently I was thinking that was probably a mistake. Like yeah. I probably, when she was a puppy, I probably should have gotten her used to it. I have to brush my dog Scott Davis's teeth. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a wretched endeavor. What do he's, you use? Like a chicken flavored toothpaste? Uh, yeah, and I have a little finger thing and I get right. in there. He's a chihuahua. Oh. We thought he was part chihuahua, part dachshund, and we got him because he looked like the part chihuahua, part dachshund that we had that died. And then the minute we got him home, his ears changed and we're like, oh, he's a fucking chihuahua. That asshole lied. And uh, here's a chihuahua's inner monologue. Hey, what? Hey, 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 what are you? Is it? Hey, hey, what? Hey, hey, what are you? Is that it? Hey, that's all day long. Who's the asshole that lied? He, he was. Oh, oh, the dog. He lied. was like, no, I'm a dog. Didn't bring me home. <laughs> and then we got him on. Yeah. And you, had, you said you have two dogs now? Yeah, we had a bunch. Now we have two. Who's your other dog? Bella. Best dog ever. Oh. Border border collie, uh, black lab border collie. Uh, they're super smart. Is she yeah. super smart? She, well, she was. God bless her. She lived to be fifteen or sixteen. She had brain surgery at one point. Wow. To make her smarter. She helped me with my driver's test. <laughs> Wait. No, she had a brain tumor, and and uh, she had a brain tumor, and they're like, well, <laughs> but I was like, how much? <laughs> and it was it was an amount of money. I'm not going to repeat. But I... I was like, do it. With the dog that we had before, Wendy, yeah, uh, he had kidney. He was in kidney failure, and the amount for a kidney transplant would have been astronomical. Yeah. But I would have done it if we could. But yeah. they're like they don't do they don't really do them on dogs. Yeah. So they don't work. Take mine. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. But we yeah, Bella had a good. We got a good another year out of her. Mm-hmm. Um. So wait, I okay. So Bella is no longer among Bella's us. Bella's in heaven now. But you have two dogs now. Yeah, at one point we had four, I think. Right. So who's the other one besides Alfie? Alfie. Oh, and Alfie's the one who's yeah. not smart. Alfie, yeah. Alfie looks kind of like a, a cocker spaniel's dachshund. He's brown and, mm. and and stupid, dumb as a bag of hammers. <laughs> Just dumb, sweet as a peach. Not a mean bone in his body, but fucking dumb. Sometimes I think, but how smart do you want your dog to be? Because yeah. if they're really smart, then don't they... Like, did Bella get into mischief? All I know is if Alfie was more flexible, he'd find a way to shit in his own mouth. Like, <laughs> he's just not smart. <laughs> okay. Oh, speaking of, Greg B. says, when heading to the bathroom to poop, always make sure I have my phone with me. Hashtag, just mirror everyone, hashtag poop talk. I have really broken my need to have my phone with... I've broken my need to have reading material now i just ponder life's great mysteries yeah i don't uh really when i'm pooping there's no one with me god's not in the room Hmm. it's just not a big hang up about it not happy not happy that i do it not proud of it a shame a lot of body shame no reading material 
nothing. No, I just pretend I'm dead until it's over. Okay. Mark. I weep. <laughs> Mark Duranso, whose name I per- potentially just butchered, says, just mirror everyone, when I'm in bed and cold, I'll sometimes pull the sheets over my head and use the heat from exhaling to warm things up a bit. I've never done that, but I appreciate your innovation. Well, you're getting warmer because your head is a thermos. Your head is a radiator Mm -hmm. and there's so much surface area. You know, as they say, if your feet are cold, put on a hat and uh, it'll work because your head is just radiating all of your body heat. And if you contain that heat, you're you're going to warm up. Has nothing to do with what you're you're exhaling. There you go, Mark. And lastly, sorry, Mark. (laughs) And lastly, been defeated by science. Hansy Copperfield says. When I hear, quote unquote, skinny, I think literally of a person who has bones with lots of pliable, pullable skin, like a raw bony chicken. Just mirror everyone. I've never thought that, but I love that. I'm yeah. going to think of like someone who's all skin now when I hear skinny. Just a bag of skin. Yeah. I've never, it's sort of like when someone says butthead or dickhead, I don't think of like an actual head that is a butt or a head that is a dick, or I don't really think of anything. When I hear skinny, I, it doesn't conjure an image. But really, yeah. when you think about it, it's weird. It's saying like all skin. And it has no... It should be skin and bonesy. Well, it's interesting with skinny is how that became the physical ideal. Right. Because it did it not used to be. did not used to be. And it came from... Largely, it came from fashion designers because they wanted models to not have a body so their clothes would hang the way they look on on the hanger. Yeah. And you go from that to girls in Nebraska puking up lunch. Those bastards. Yeah. Uh, The weird thing, though, is not only how much our ideals of beauty have changed, but just how hard it is to shake what you've grown up with culturally as the ideal of beauty. Like it's hard for me to not look at a woman who's skin and bones and be like, Oh, she's so like, that looks so good. I wish I could look at that. Like I wish for a second I could just look at that and see and look through, you know, 1820 eyes. Well, even more recently, and um, this is kind of creepy, but uh, I grew up in the seventies, you know, I graduated high school in 82 and I find the current trend towards no body hair whatsoever to be creepy, bordering on pedophily. Right. Because I've also, in, the, in between that time, uh, changed the diapers on the, <laughs> a lot of little, a lot of girls, and uh, that, to me, it's just like, ugh. but that, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the astonishing minority. Right. Good luck finding. Uh... Yeah, I can't. You can't. No. You gotta. If you want to look at porn, you gotta go to a flea market. <laughs> Well, Dana Gould, Buy something with a Carlton is lowest ad on the back, page, back cover. <laughs> I bet one of your hot Perry Mason strumpets. Oh, they all. Oh, my God. All those girls had ginormous 60s. It looked like uh, Clarence Hilton Jacobs was tying their shoes. <laughs> Dana Gould. I was going to say Dana J. Gould, but that's not your Twitter handle not anymore. Not my Twitter anymore. Thank you so much for doing my show. Thanks for having me on. This was delightful, you guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, yeah. which you should. Because and you heard have... some creepy personal shit. Have you talked about the creepy personal shit elsewhere? No, didn't anticipate it. Perfect. A hot scoop. Uh, you guys, if you're going to buy something Speaking on... of hot scoops, don't take your phone with you. <laughs> 
If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you so much for all your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the website on the right side, alisonrosen.com. Also, we have t-shirts available. Go to the website, click on the t-shirt, take you to the site to get a shirt. We have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also... Touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy, You get these by searching the Hey Go Fuck Yourself touch, or Touch the Tushy on your iPhone in the iTunes store if you're not an iTunes person. We also have these on Gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Allison Rosen, Gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen, also other stuff available there. We have bonus episodes available in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F show at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, iTunes dot com slash Allison Rosen. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me at Colonel Jeff Fox on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Excellent. And Dana, plug uh, everything that you would like people to check out and tell us where we can find you. Uh, I'm at uh, Dana Gould, D-A-N-A-G-O-U-L-D, on all platforms. Perfect. And uh, if you live in the uh, Washington, D.C., Virginia area, I will be at the Arlington Draft House on December 4th and 5th, and I will be at... Uh, Cap City Comedy Club in Austin, Texas on New Year's Eve. There you go. I'm not, as we record this, I'm not quite sure. My podcast is, well, then cut that out. Doesn't matter. Well, but the thing is they can go to danagould.com and find your Twitter, right? All my stuff is at danagould.com. As is my podcast, The Dana Gould Hour. Never an hour. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you again so much, listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Yeah, Alison Rosen is your new best.